We're now uh, going to read Exodus 36, which is a parallel to Exodus 26, containing very similar information. But, as always, there's always a twist. <laughs> Bezalel and Aholiab shall work with every wise-hearted man in whom Yahweh has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that Yahweh has commanded. Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom Yahweh had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to, to the work to do it, they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary with which to make it. They kept bringing freewill offerings to him every morning. All the wise men who performed all the work of the sanctuary, each came from his work which he did. They spoke to Moses saying, The people have brought much more than enough for the service of the work which Yahweh commanded to make. Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to, to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman make anything else for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient to do all the work and too much. All the wise-hearted men among those who did the work made the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen, blue, purple and scarlet. They made them with the cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. The length of each curtain was twenty-eight cubits, and the width of each curtain four cubits. All the curtains had one measure. He coupled five curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he coupled to one another. He made loops of blue on the edge of the one curtain from the edge in the coupling, Likewise, he made in the edge of the curtain that was outermost in the second coupling. He made 50 loops in the one curtain, and he made 50 loops in the edge of the curtain that was in the second coupling. The loops were opposite to one another. He made 50 clasps of gold and coupled the curtains to one another with the clasps, so the tabernacle was a unit. He made curtains of goat's hair for a covering over the tabernacle. He made them 11 curtains. The length of each curtain was 30 cubits, and 4 cubits the width of each curtain. The 11 curtains had one measure. He coupled 5 curtains by themselves, and 6 curtains by themselves. He made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that was outermost in the coupling, and he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain which was outermost in the second coupling. He made 50 clasps of bronze to couple the tent together that it might be a unit. He made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of sea cow hides above. He made the boards for the tabernacle of acacia wood standing up. Ten cubits was the length of a board and a cubit and a half the width of each board. Each board had two tenons joined to one another. He made all the boards of the tabernacle this way. He made the boards for the tabernacle 20 boards for the south side southward he made 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for its two tenons, and two sockets under another board for its two tenons. For the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, he made 20 boards, and there 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under one board and two sockets under another board. For the far part of the tabernacle westward, he made six boards. He made two boards for the corners of the tabernacle in the far part, they were double beneath, and in the same way they were all the way to its top to one ring. He did this to both of them in the two corners. 
There were eight boards and their sockets of silver, 16 sockets under every board, two sockets. He made bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on the one side of the tabernacle and five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle and five bars for the boards of the tabernacle for the hinder part westward. He made the middle bar to pass through in the middle of the boards from the one end to the other. He overlaid the boards with gold and made their rings of gold as places for the bars and overlaid the bars with gold. He made the veil of blue, purple, scarlet and fine twined linen with cherubim. He made it the work of a skillful workman. He made four pillars of acacia for it and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold. He cast four sockets of silver for them. He made a screen for the door of the tent of blue, purple, scarlet and fine twined linen, the work of an embroiderer, and the five pillars of it with their hooks. He overlaid their capitals and their fillets with gold, and their five sockets were of bronze. This chapter parallels with Exodus 26. In the last video, we talked about some of the differences that we find in these parallel passages. So we have to ask ourselves, why is the Bible so repetitive? <laughs> and um, now not all of the Bible is repetitive, but even just the thinking about repeating something, there's even a lesson in that. Firstly, when you were a child, and maybe you still are, did your mother ever repeat anything to you? My mother did. And as a parent, I repeat things to my children all the time. There are some things that you repeat because you want them to just learn it. There are some things you repeat because they just don't hear it. There are some things you repeat because they're so important, you say them over and over and over. And the children of Israel are no different. They're slow to learn. And we as Christians today, we're slow to learn. There are some things you just have to say a lot of times. We sit in church week in, week out, and sometimes preachers have to repeat things a lot. <laughs> and that's the reason why there are certain things that we do regularly do, like communion, for example. It's the same thing, but we repeat it because it is so important that the repetition of it is needed. Only God knows the full extent of why some repetition is needed, but it is. And of course, we remember, we have a church calendar and every year we remember Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday, the, the death and the resurrection of the Lord. We remember the Advent, the coming of the Lord, Christmas. And we have other special days through the year like Pentecost and Palm Sunday. And we go through these things as a way of remembering what the Lord has done. We repeat them over and over and over and it's good for us. And I'd like to also say that we don't just read the Bible once. You know, there, there's people I've met in church life that say, I can't wait till I finish reading the Bible and then I can say I've read it and then I won't have to read it anymore. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say that, but as a pastor, I've heard that. And I say, no, that's a big mistake. The Bible isn't that type of a book. It's not a book like, you know, some other book out there like The Lord of the Rings or something. You read it once and that's it. You don't need to read it again. You know the story now. No, the Bible is a book that the Lord speaks through, it's the Lord's words. And so we do repetitively read the Bible over and over, and every time we read it, the Lord speaks to us in new ways. At least if we're looking for him, he does. And um, so we study God's word, we go over and over it. And when we find a part like this where the Lord has repeated something, 
Or if you find themes in the Bible which are put forward over and over and over again, you'd have to say there's a reason for it. And of course there always is. Are you happy to read your Bible only once? I personally am not happy with that. And I encourage you to be someone that works through your Bible. Now maybe you're doing it in these videos with me. And when you finish, you might decide not to do the videos a second time, but you should do the Bible in some other way a second time. And there are various many ways of reading the Bible. There's people I knew like Apostle Chuck Clayton who's gone to be with the Lord now, but he would read his Bible through and when he would finish, he would then read it in a different version, like the Amplified. Or, you know, then he'd read the King James, or that was, I think, his favourite version. And then he would read it in the, you know, the New Living. He'd, it'd be a different version every time because there's a different angle or a different perspective. And you know, English isn't the most complete of languages. There's nuances and, and there's more life in some of the ancient languages if we knew them than in English. And so sometimes when you read different translations, you're seeing a bit more of that come through. So rep repetition's good. <laughs> and so that's why we're doing that. We're not, we're not following the example of Bible commentators and just skipping comments on all these chapters. We're going through them one by one. And there is a point that I wanna make out of this chapter. It kept on saying that all those who were wise, hearted, or who, who had wisdom, participated in this building of the tabernacle. The first time this material came up, the Lord was just telling Moses, this is what you're going to have to do. But this material that's being repeated now is in the past tense, and it's in the process of being done or having been done. And it's saying that all who were wise-hearted joined in. But you notice it was something that was voluntary. This was the building of God's you know, house, so to speak. Now it was a symbol of, because God's house is really his people, it's us. But in the Old Testament, you know, these types were being, were being established by the Lord. And so people who were wise, in other words, they had enough realization to know, I have the opportunity to contribute to what God is doing. They jumped in and they contributed. And I want to finish this chapter by saying that opportunity has never gone away. We're building God's house today. Now, we're not building it the tabernacle. But the Bible says that God's house is living stones. It's, each of us is a living stone and the stones are being joined together to make this spiritual house. You can find that in, in Peter's writings. And so we, if we're wise-hearted, we can contribute to the building of that house. And I encourage you to do that, You know, to grow in your love for other Christians, to help Christians who have disagreements be reconciled to one another, to pray for those who are struggling. And this is the wise approach to the building of God's house, which is his people. So the opportunity to participate is not left. In fact, it's here and now we're building the real thing. We're not building the shadow or the type of it, which was the tabernacle. We're building the legit item. And that's a far more exciting opportunity. I, for one, am a wise-hearted individual that wants to, at least in that regard, who wants to participate in building. And I invite you to do that with me too. Lord, I pray, give us grace to participate in the building of God's house. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd make all your people wise. I pray we would all participate in that. Lord, strengthen the, the body of Christ. Strengthen relationships. May congregations grow in love for each other. Lord, may the walls between denominations come down. Lord, let your grace be upon the body of Christ so that we will truly be, Lord, the people of God, that we will truly love one another, that we will work together. 
we'll serve you together. Let your grace be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.